your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Martinez gets a shotgun snap, holding, holding, looking, looking. Now he's going to take off. Adrian still looking, throws to the back of the end zone, passes bobbled, and then caught on the deflection for a touchdown. As it is Levi Falk making the catch on the deflected ball. The walk-on from Minnesota makes a touchdown grab here in the final three minutes of the game. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Just spitballing here, but is Maryland's game safe for this week? Haven't heard much about the Terps. They're supposed to play Indiana. They've missed the last two weeks. Maybe you have one of those cases where two teams that don't meet the standards are out and two that aren't supposed to play do play. Can you see it happening, Ben? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe Indiana plays Wisconsin this week. Maybe maybe suddenly there's, there's a new rule implemented in the Big Ten by the time we're done on Sports Nightly tonight. You know, that – that maybe helps a, a certain team out, like most well, of the rules do. So you know, the, who knows? They did. Remember, we had that last week that they passed that back on November yeah. the fifth. That if you had more than one game canceled, if you have two teams that are involved in the game that's that are canceled, they can play. I don't know. And Austin or Mick, do some digging. See if you see any update on Maryland. I've not seen anything updated on Maryland, who's missed the last two weeks. They're supposed to go to Indiana to play the Hoosiers this week. So we'll see. Maybe not. Isn't the hey, decision welcome. have to be made tomorrow? Yep, has to be done by by Wednesday. So they've got another 12, 18 hours to get it kind of worked out. So just do some digging, guys. I looked a little bit ago and didn't see anything updated on Maryland. I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and we're very concerned about Wisconsin getting some games in. So we're. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to be yeah. helpful here, Ben. I, I mean well, – that's what I think my role is, is to be helpful to these teams. Well, maybe we could just find a way to implement a new rule um, so the Badgers can have an opponent this week. Maybe we yeah. can get that done. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, there you go. Minnesota, Wisconsin out. Minnesota's had issues for a while, haven't they, Ben? I mean, they, they, they had a bunch of guys out week one against Michigan but played. Now they got a, apparently another rash of, of outbreaks, too. It's just interesting to me. How some programs continually are having issues and other programs don't seem to be having much of a problem at all. What, what, <laughs> uh, there's, there's gotta be some, some logical explanation for that, but I don't, you would I don't think know. so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. So that, that news popped about an hour ago on the, the Wisconsin Minnesota game. So uh, whoever's got the ax keeps it. I think Wisconsin's got the ax, right? The Paul Badgers Bunyan. rolled up, rolled up the Gophers last week. So, so the the, the axe will stay in Madison for another year. That's one big axe. If you haven't seen it, it's a big axe. It is. Yeah, it is big, dangerous. Yeah, you can hurt somebody with that thing. All right, uh, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. We have a practice report coming up here in a little bit. Both coordinators, Eric Chenander, Matt Lubick, met with the media today. 
Got into a lot of things. We'll, we'll get into that coming up here in just a couple of minutes as the Oscars prep, the short week to prep to go to Iowa uh, to play the Hawkeyes on Friday, noon kick, 7 o'clock pregame coverage for us. So we'll get into some of that here in just a little bit. The basketball team opens tomorrow against McNeese State. McNeese State is in town. They are here. That's confirmed. They have landed. They are at the hotel. I'm also told that the Bison are just a few minutes away from arriving in Lincoln. And Nevada has been here since, like, Sunday. They've been here, like, they've been here two or three days. They've been practicing here in Lincoln for the Golden Windows Tournament that starts uh, tomorrow. So it looks like there will be college basketball. How odd is that going to be with pregame at 10 a.m. tomorrow? I mean, just kind of finishing off my first cup of coffee, and there's going to be Kent and Jake cranking her up. That'll be kind of wild, huh? Yeah, some some breakfast basketball. You know, know, maybe they're maybe maybe they'll be in their robes when they do the game. Who knows? Oh, crazy. So the Husker basketball season begins tomorrow, 11 a.m. Tip time at PBA. No fans allowed, but we'll have the broadcast for you here on the Husker Sports Network. Game one of the season for the Big Red. They're going to play three games in four days and four games in eight days. So it's a busy start to the schedule to see what this new addition to Fred Hoiberg's team. He had a press gathering today as well. We'll play some of the clips from that coming up in hour number two. All right, time to get into tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice reports all year brought to you by JTEC Construction. JTEC as always, sponsoring our practice reports. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTech Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. Both coordinators meeting with members of the media today. We'll start first on the defensive side of the ball with defensive coordinator Eric Shenander, and he talked about the issues that Nebraska are having on third down right now. Yeah, that certainly doesn't help. Um, you know, we need to get ourselves more third and longs, obviously. Um, the third and you know, the third and three, third and fours are, are uh, you know, they're tough on everybody. Obviously, the playbook's wide open. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. But um, that's no excuse. We need, we need to get off the field. The guys got to do their jobs. We got to do a better job of rushing the passer and caging the quarterback. We got to do a better job of, of sticking with our guy in coverage. And, um, you know, we just got to be able to get off the field on third down. It's over 50%. Third, ugh, third downs are a huge problem. I mean, and, yeah. and, the pro- and there are... A lot of situations where, you know, it's not third and, sh- you know, third and long, they're third and shorts, and, you know, we'll address a little of that later on. But, you know, when they're third and threes, third and fours, the entire book's open. And that's difficult to defend, um, you know, and that's, that's leading to the astronomically high third down conversion percentage. Um, what about stopping the run? That's, it's been an issue for Nebraska for a long time now, not just under the staff, but even going back further um what is it about stopping the run that's that's giving this team problems well the 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 number one thing that has to be done is eliminate big plays um there's you know there's games where you would have good good run defense if you eliminated a couple big plays uh but that's i mean you can't say well we played good except for those two plays because then you don't play good so it's just about 
everybody doing their job every single play. Um, you know, there's a few plays from last week where it's one guy doesn't turn the ball back or one guy, um, you know, goes one gap too far in pressure or, or you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, but but those plays, you know, when you when you be, give up a you know a forty yarder or sixty yarder, a uh, hundred yards on two plays is going to kill your kill your run defense um, statistically, if if you'll say. So the number one thing is is eliminating the big plays, um, you know, and then and then you got to. You know, up front, we got to do a better job of of tackling off the line of scrimmage and not giving extra yards. Those hidden yards are, are backbreakers too. Where you know the, we you hit the running back of the line of scrimmage or from one, and he ends up getting three or four. Those are those hidden yardages are just are backbreakers right now. Um, so we need to get those two issues cleaned up. I still have nightmares from a few years ago, Greg, watching Iowa's running backs on the cutback lanes on those mm-hmm. stretch plays. It's so easy to just follow those blocks to the edge and just wait for a crease and go. But I feel like even more so, especially against Nebraska, those backs were told, just follow that line until you see the cutback lane and then go against the grain and it'll be there. Um, so Nebraska has to be ready for that. And and you talk about eliminating big plays, that's where a lot of those come from and those cutback lanes. Sure has, and you're right. And they do a lot of that, and they'll do bootlegs. You just know what you're going to get with Iowa. I watched that tape today with their Penn State game, and it's just things you've seen Iowa do over and over and over again, and they're just really good at what they do. But that third down thing just bugs the heck out of me. Nebraska is 121st in the country on third down defense, giving up 54% conversion rate. That's just – that's you just you can't win when you can't get yourself off the field. It's going to lead to points, and it, and it has. And – yeah, it's just man, they got to figure something out. It has been an issue. I'm trying to look up here real quick too. Um, Nebraska's only forced 12 punts in four games. That's just not very many. That's just you're not making the team work that hard. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. Coach Shenander was asked about his personnel out there right now, and if he has the personnel out there that he uh, feels like can be successful, or do they still need uh, another class or two? to be able to run the defense that they want. This was his response. Yeah, are, are we exactly where we want to be? Um, probably not, but you, you, can't blame, you can't blame the players. Saying we don't have the right players, that's not an excuse. Um, we have the right players. We have good players. We have good kids. Um, we've got to get them more ready to play football, and we've got to find a way to help them be better at their jobs, help them succeed on the field. Um, so I, I don't want to sit here and say we need different players because that, that's not an excuse. We, we, we've got to play with, with the guys that we've got, and we've got good ones. And I don't want to take anything away from the guys we've got. Um, they, can, they can do this. I have confidence in them. They can do this. Um, do we always want to recruit more guys, more talent? Absolutely. But we need to get this done with the people we have in the program right now. I really like that answer from Coach Shenander. It's so mm-hmm. easy for the coaches to say, yeah, we need, you know, we, and we've heard it from this staff even. We need better guys. We need, you know, it's a good opportunity for recruits to come in. I don't know what message that sends guys on the on the roster, but I, I loved hearing them say that they can do this. And if the, confidence is such a fragile thing right now, and I, it's hard to imagine this team has very much of it. But when you hear your coach say that, that, that he believes in you, that you can do it, and, you know, to get the job done then 
you know, hopefully that that breeds a little confidence in your guys. But he he answered that question perfectly. Yeah, he he did, and, and that's why we were also hopeful after the Penn State game that that was going to be the confidence builder for a lot of things. The way the the defense stopped Penn State twice late in the game to preserve the win, you hoped that that was going to catapult this group forward. And then it was face plant time on Saturday. So. I think he's right. I think there's enough talented guys on that defense. There's enough guys who love football over there that are playing hard, but it's just not happening right. And something's disconnecting. We said this last night. Something's just not connecting right now, and they got to get this thing figured out. One subject that's come out the last few days about last week has been the lack of energy or juice at practice. Coach Shenander was asked about uh, how the team has responded after the loss to Illinois. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know um, exactly what we were going to get. You know, obviously you're, you're riding high after Penn State and then you're pretty low after uh, the last game. You, you don't know what you're going to get, and they came in ready to work, and they've been great. Coach Frost did a great job with them. Um, you know, they, they've just been, you know, they were flying around on Sunday with the walkthrough. You know, we had a little walkthrough, and they were trying to fly around then. Um, they are ready to work. They have good spirits. Um, they want to correct their mistakes. So I, I give nothing but compliments to the team for their attitude and coming into work on, on Sunday night, Monday morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I just the thing that still kind of sticks with me is that it, the coaches have to get, you know, get these guys fired up. I mean, I first of all, this week they shouldn't have to because it's Iowa. But, you know, it just that really bugged me to hear that, you know, energy level at, at practice was low and wasn't needed where it needed to be and and resulting partly resulting into what happened on Saturday against Illinois coach Shenander also talked a little bit about Iowa and the rivalry and uh, what this game means to the Oscars the the level of the rivalry is super high um you know and it's a relatively I guess newer rivalry in football um because of the the conference realignment, but I think there's been a lot of rivalries between the states for a long time in a, in a lot of different categories. So I think it means a lot to not only the players on both sides, but the fans on both sides, the people of each state. Um, you know, th this is a game that if if you can't get ready for this one, then you, you probably don't need to be playing college football or, or at Nebraska because this is a game that everybody's ready for and everybody wants to win this game and everybody better leave it all on the field on this one because th this is a game that's super, super important to not only our program but the, the state of Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, that's that's coming from a, a guy with a lot of familiarity with the mm -hmm. Iowa, Iowa program. Absolutely. I. There's no reason not to be fired up and ready to play in this one, either side of the ball, particularly for Nebraska. Yeah, because you know they're going to be. Yep. I mean, you know they're 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 foaming right now to go play the Huskers. Um, coach was asked, in the way that the question was phrased to him, um, there was a, it was stated to you know having your backs against the wall and and what that feeling is like and you know basically adding pressure to your defense and and, and what that may cause. So. Uh, coach kind of responded to having that be a part of the of the question about having their their back against the wall and playing that way. Your back against the wall. I don't know if that's necessarily how you'd phrase it. I don't think you can ever play or you can coach. You know, you can't be pressed all the time. We got to do this. Do we got to do that? We got to you know whole grade sale. You know things got to you know we got to win this one. You you got to. Coach Frost has put a, a process in front of us, um, just like 
he's done everywhere we've ever been and we have to follow the process and we have to keep chipping away at the process and we have to keep developing these players and we have to keep doing the right thing now when you go into a game like this the the thing that changes is there's extra energy in practice there's you know even though there there should be that energy probably all the time, but you know you get that extra pep um, when you're coaching, when you're playing during the game. You're going to be able to go a few more plays or a few more series. You're going to dig down deep because you know how much this one matters. Um, but to press, to press because you know well, whatever your back's against the wall, that, that's the wrong thing to do. Coach hard and coach right and keep developing fundamentals and techniques and players is the right thing to do. So I think that's that's the process Coach Frost has, has put in front of us. I was pretty happy with what I heard from Coach Shenander today. I, there wasn't any pointing of the fingers. There wasn't right. any bl- blaming on anybody else. He, he, he wore a lot of the responsibility on, on the coaches and on himself. And, you know, I appreciate that. I think the fans appreciate that because they, they expect better. And, and, he, and Coach Shenander expects better. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're all intrigued about what the coaches feel like this process that Coach Shenander is talking about, where it's at. And and how they how they start turning this thing around because it is year three, but I, I know the coaches are working hard to try and get this thing turned around. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit on of offense. Uh, Matt Lubick, Nebraska OC, talked a little on what to expect from Iowa's defense. Sure, I mean first of all, really, really good. You know, statistically, I think in most categories you're at the top of the conference. So uh, very sound, very physical. Uh, they're good up front. Um, strong. Uh, their, their linebackers run really well. They, uh, they come downhill. Um, they make you earn everything you got. They don't give up a ton of big plays. So we got to work it out for us. With Iowa, it starts and ends every, like every other team up front with them. And they're, they're just so, so stout up front year after year. And, and it's, that's where it start. They start making life difficult on offenses is because you just you don't have those those that space to work with and you do such a good job up front so we talked about nebraska defensively on third down and how bad they've been they haven't exactly set records for the positive offensively on third down either coach lubick talked about what they can do offensively to improve that third down percentage yeah, that's something we practice all the time. Um, you know, part part of its game plan, part of it's getting in manageable situations. We've had a lot of third and longs. And, you know, the, the percentage of converting third and longs as opposed to third and short and third and medium is is not good. And so, that's a big part of it is, is doing better on first and second down. And so we're on uh, our third downs are more manageable situations, which we work. But it's something we stress every day. You know, we do like for example today we did two third down periods. Uh, we'll do another third down period tomorrow. It's something you got to practice because I'm, I'm a big believer. I mean, yeah, you can win or lose games on third down because if you don't convert on third down, it's a turnover. And if you if you do convert, well, then you, you keep the ball and it leads to big plays and a whole bunch of other things. So, yeah, third down is, is one of the things that uh, wins and loses football games that we're trying to get better at. I mentioned the defense was 121st in the nation on third down defense. Third down offense, we're 111th at 32%. So the, you want to circle the thing that that's why we're not winning some games right there. We can't win third down. It's the money down in football. We can't win it. We can't get off the field. We can't stay on the field. And, and then you mix in the turnovers into this bucket, and it isn't any good. Nope. 
Uh, well, let's talk about the passing game a little bit and what needs to be improved there besides a lot. Here's what the offensive coordinator had to say. Well, first, yeah, inconsistencies across the board, you know, and it starts with uh, the coaches. How, how can we put guys in better situations? Um, you know, and that's the first thing. Anytime you, you lose a football game, that's, you got to look within, you know, number one, putting guys in good situations, putting guys in situations that, that they can handle and, and making sure it's the right guys in those situations. So that's something we talk about every day, um, you know, against Illinois in particular. Uh, yeah. Is inconsistent. You know, they, they did make it challenging throwing the ball down the field on some of the, uh, especially long yard situations, because, you know, the safeties are 20 yards deep and everyone's dropping. They kind of force you to lay it off. But when, when they do force you to lay it off, we got to convert those, you know, and, and, and run for first downs. And we had a couple of those where it was either a guy might not be in the right position or, you know, throw was a little bit off. And, and those, those, those layoffs, I mean, you got to be 100% on those because uh, those are easy throws. And then, you know, the guy catching the ball has got to do a good job of ball security and, and getting us a first down uh, when they play those situations. Uh, but that was pretty much it, you know, and that, not just the, the passing game, but just consistency all over. Because the better you run the ball, then that helps you from a passing standpoint because they got to play a little bit different. If they know you're in a situation where you got to throw the ball, it's to their advantage. And they can put more guys in coverage and they can play a lot softer. Greg, Nebraska just hasn't really been efficient in any area offensively all year outside of the quarterback run game. I mean, there right. really hasn't been a single point to the offense that you can look at and go, yeah, this is working. This is this is going well, other than the quarterbacks taking off and running. I mean, not just Luke, but Adrian, you know, again, in that game with Northwestern, had a couple of big scrambles against Ohio State, had a couple of big runs. Other than the quarterback run game, there isn't a lot that scares you right now if you're opposing defenses. It's exactly right, and, and and you do get an advantage when you run the quarterback because it's one one guy that's really not accounted for by the defense. So there there is a numerical advantage to that. But you're right; you got to get something else going. Whether it's it's the short passing game, whether you can get some stuff down the field, something else has to start happening if this offense is going to be more consistent for the Big Red moving forward. Yeah, one more here. There, there's a lot more we need to get to, but uh, one more here in this in this segment. Let's talk about wide receivers while we're on the subject of the passing game and how they've taken the coaching, specifically the young guys. You know, they've been doing a good job. I, I think uh, you know everyone gets frustrated when you lose. Um, they, they all want to play. We all want to play better. We want to coach better. You know, it's, it's a work in progress. Uh, you know, at, at, we're in a situation where you know we're playing a lot of freshmen that, that's not an excuse it is what it is and those guys we got to play the best guys to give us a chance to win um so you know are they getting thrown into the fire a little bit more before they're ready i, I don't know you know at, at the end of the day you know our opponents don't care if we're playing freshmen or seniors and so they got they got to be ready to play and so the, what, what we can do as coaches that their attitude has been good is is just you know we got we got to build their confidence we got to put them in situations where they can be successful. Um, we we got to, as coaches, simplify our teaching so they can understand. That's that's a big thing with a freshman is just is they got to be able to understand your scheme to the point where they're not thinking they can just react. Because when you're a freshman, you've got so many different things that you're thinking about. You're learning an offense. Um, you don't play as fast. And so that, that's a big thing is how can we simplify, how can we make the teaching so easy for them that they can just use their talent and play? And that's something that we're always working on as coaches. But the attitude's been good. I mean, they keep – they showed that this has probably been one of our better weeks of practice, uh, which says a lot about those guys. Uh, and they want to work. You know, that's why I recruited them. They want to work and they want to get better. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just finding a balance, making sure those guys can go play, making sure I, I don't, I don't want to hear anymore that they're swimming in it. Find a way to make them understand yeah. and get them out there and run stuff that's going to make them successful. Yeah, no doubt. On our uh, text line, somebody just texted and said, who are the freshmen we're playing? Well, there's a lot. I mean, Marvin Scott has been out there. Ronald Tompkins, Brown, Xavier Betts, Marcus Brown, Fleming, Mark, Marcus, Marcus Fleming. Fleming. I mean, that's there's a lot. I mean, that's Levi a bunch Falk's of guys. a first year guy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of first year guys playing snaps. Luke McCaffrey's a redshirt freshman quarterback. I mean, it is Travis, Travis Vokalek hasn't played yet. First year guy in the program. So yeah, I mean, a lot of young guys in there. All right. I know the coach is anxious for this. They've been practicing Ben since October 14th, full blown. They've they've been doing individual workouts since way back in late June. So you know that this group is ready to go out and kind of test their metal and see what they're all about here tomorrow. Yeah, and I think we're all ready for it too. I mean, I think this is this is coming at a at a at a good time for us to uh, you know step away from the gridiron a little bit, go to the hardwood, and you know see what year year two under Co- Coach Hoiberg has has to offer. It's a little weird, Greg, because that's when this whole thing started. Was watching Coach Hoiberg on that. You're right. Uh, was it a Thursday night? Thursday night, like March Wednesday, the thirteenth. Wednesday? Wednesday night. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday night, March the twelfth, or something like that. March eleventh, March twelfth, and you know, here we are starting that season. We made it through an entire season uh, <laughs> with this. So yeah, I think I think everybody's kind of excited. Uh, to get this thing started, as are the players. And Coach Hoiberg met with members of the media today and asked how ready his players are. Our guys are really excited about going out and playing against another opponent. They're sick of beating on each other, uh, you know, going all the way back to June when we started with this, with uh, when the NCAA uh, gave the clearance to start individual workouts. So uh, it'll be great to get out there and compete against another opponent. And we've got three really good tests coming up here, starting with tomorrow tomorrow afternoon's game against McNeese. I'm only imagining what those players are, are saying and feeling right now. Going Much like the football team, going through so many practices, just wondering, okay, is this ever going to happen? <laughs> when, oh, when, oh, when is it going to happen? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, McNeese tomorrow, as Coach said, what is he expecting to see from the Cowboys tomorrow? They're a very, very talented team uh, that has a lot of weapons. Uh, they've got the best shooter in the country that we're going to have to know where he is at all times. And, uh, you know, an all-conference guard uh, in Lawson as well. So they've got really good guard play, and uh, we're going to have to be on our toes and have to hopefully get off to a great start, uh, you know, with, with this game and obviously uh, starting off strong uh, with our season. Didn't happen so much last year in year number one. I have to imagine that was a pretty good wake-up call for whoever was on the team last year. I know there wasn't very many of them, but uh, to not sleepwalk in the opener. And they're going to be so excited to hit the floor. I'm not expecting that to happen. Cal Riverside, wasn't it? Yeah. beat Nebraska last year, made a bunch of threes in that game. And then the Huskers came back and lost the second game in overtime. So, yeah, I, I think this this group will be ready to roll tomorrow, but – you never know in openers, right? I mean, you just never quite know what you're going to get. Right. Well, one thing Nebraska has been doing the last couple of weeks is scrimmaging. What has Coach Hoiberg learned from his players during those scrimmages? As far as what we saw with our scrimmages, a lot of the same things. I've been really impressed with this group, how unselfish they have played. 
Yeah, hopefully that carries over. As I talked to him about the last couple of days leading into our opener, uh, the importance of continuing to go out and do the things that have made us successful. We don't need to go out there now and reinvent the wheel and go out there and try to do it on our own. Uh, you know, when adversity hits, stick with the plan and, and get good movement and try to get great possessions, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're excited to get started tomorrow. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a great test. Uh, hopefully we come out and play well. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine there's a little concern of that. Players coming out so juiced, <laughs> juiced up, ready to go, guns blazing the first. I, I would, I would imagine though, by the first media timeout, though, people have have settled down a little bit and getting to the to the rhythm of playing basketball again. You sure would think so, but you're right. The heart's going to be pumping really good. It's going to be odd though for them too to not have anybody sitting there, right? I mean, you're not going to have the. You're going to be excited to play, but you're not going to have all the juice with the the red zone going crazy behind the bench and all those type of things. Yeah. We've seen a lot of news regarding college basketball with COVID and cancellations lately, especially this week. How is Nebraska doing with that, the protocols ahead of their first game? Yeah, we've got one more round of testing tonight. We're going to test them again at 7 o'clock tonight, and we'll uh, we'll have an update in the morning uh, with that. Hopefully everything goes well uh, with our testing. Uh, you know, again, I give our guys a lot of credit for really doing a great job uh, to this point of keeping this thing, uh, you know, at a distance. You know, obviously numbers are going up. You see teams shutting down all over the country right now. Uh, you know, we just have to continue to, to stress making the right decisions and you can make all the right decisions and still get it. So, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, hopefully it doesn't go through our team. Um, you know, again, you see it all over the place right now. I saw a couple more games, tournaments got shut down uh, again this morning. You'll probably see a few more uh, get shut down leading into tomorrow uh, on the opener for most college teams. So, you know, as, as of right now, uh, we're doing good, but, you know, we'll give you an update uh, tomorrow morning after the, we get the results back later tonight. I mean, that's that's you don't want to use the word threatened, Greg, but if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing as fast as it got here, it's going to be gone. So just make sure you're making the right decisions. You know, the NBA had great success with the bubble. Well, tomorrow is the last day of final exams on campus. So in a, in a way, campus will kind of become a bubble for these guys for the next two months. So hopefully that works. And, and again, I think they've done a pretty good job. Most of those guys live in the same apartment complex, uh, the freshmen in the same kind of dorm area. So you hope that they've been kind of just putting themselves in good spots and not not overly exposing them to other people so that they can play play basketball safely. But Coach is right. Man, you just go on and look at all the cancellations that have happened even today. It's mind-blowing how many programs are now kind of shut down around the country for the next seven to ten days. Coach talked about – the differences with um, the COVID protocols, but this preseason has been different as well because of that. How has uh, the team handled everything that's been different this year, waiting forever for a schedule and everything else that's kind of went along with it? The biggest thing that I'll continue to stress and what I keep talking to our guys about is all we can do is control the things, um, you know, in front of us. And, you know, those things could spiral out of control with everything going on we're ready for it we're prepared for it uh, but we just need to go out there and prepare as if we're going to play 27 games uh, starting with tomorrow's home opener so uh, you know it's, it is it's been a really bizarre 
preseason is as strange a time as I've ever been through in, in my many years in this game as a player, an executive, and as a coach. So uh, we just got to continue to stress worrying about the things that we can control. And that's playing hard, is preparing the right way, uh, putting yourself, uh, uh, trying to stay out of harm's way. Uh, so, you know, and again, our guys have done a great job with that uh, so far. So hopefully we'll continue on. Uh, but again, we do have a plan if things, if things do break down. Greg, you mentioned creating your own energy without people in the stands and, and what this team's going to have to do on that. Basketball is, can provide some of the most electric atmospheres in all of sports, um, especially at Pinnacle Bank Arena with, with a sold-out crowd. Not going to be there. How does the team uh, plan on handling that and creating their own energy? We've talked a lot about that, you know, for, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're out there having a sluggish practice or we don't get off to a great start, we bring them in and say, guys, this is the atmosphere we're playing in this year. We have got to find a way to muster up our own energy. Uh, we're not going to have the crowd, you know, one of the best in the country at PBA to get us into these games. We've got to come out with great energy from the start. Uh, a lot of times, you know, how you start the game is uh, determines how it finishes. So we have to come out with great energy from the from the get go. We have to communicate. We have to battle through runs. This is a team that is very capable of going on huge runs. Uh, you know, Cookshausen is they put 55 in this building in a state championship game. Um, you know, being from Scott, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. So, you know, just uh, uh, we have to withstand that. We have to find a way to keep our poise. Uh, and stick together and continue to communicate and do the things, hopefully, that, that can get us back in. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's something that is a concern. Uh, but, again, we're all in the same boat with this. Not many of us are going to have fans in the building. It's the greatest home court slash home field advantage in sports in my eyes is college basketball. It's just because of the intimacy of the arenas and how close the fans get to the participants. It's why it's one of the reasons we love the sport so much. I'll be interested, Ben, to see how much artificial noise Nebraska is going to create or is is the rock music going to be blaring? Is it going to be what, what are they going to be doing? I'm sure they'll have some of that. Uh, that they'll be pumping in there to, to get it kind of fired up as well. So it's not it's going to be where you're just going to be totally hearing sneakers the whole time. I would I yeah. would be shocked if it's just that. There's not much like Nebraska going on a 7-0 run and then hitting mm -hmm. a three yeah. and having the team call timeout and what that feels like in arena. It's it's hard to explain. It's hard to replicate for those that have never been to, to PBA to, to experience it. If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the energy in that building is just palpable, and, and you feel like invincible almost, even just sitting there watching the game. It, it's a different um, feel than college football, right? I mean, yes. football, football atmospheres are amazing when you're at the big house or whatever, the shoe, Memorial Stadium. It's just a different because they're not quite on top of you as much as they are in hoops. Right. So Nebraska has three games this week. How is the coaching staff approaching this? Are they approaching it like a tournament? Are they – um, doing it in each game individually. What's the approach to the to the week? Yeah, we'll we'll take each 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 uh, take it as a process, Sam. And you know, normally at this time of year, you have a closed door scrimmage where you learn a lot about your team, where you can put your yourselves through all types of different scenarios. You can practice all kinds of different situations. Uh, we didn't have that this year. And then you can get out and play an exhibition game, and then you learn even more about yourselves. Did you correct things that you needed to work on? Uh, so being the first test for everybody, there's going to be a lot of things that we need to correct and we need to get better at in a short amount of time with short preps going into our second and third games. Uh, we just have to worry about the task at hand. Uh, tomorrow, that's McNeese. 
you know, when that game's over, we'll, whatever happens, we'll put it behind us and get ready for the next one against Nevada. Uh, but that's, that's all we can do right now is go one at a time, be in the first contest. Uh, again, it's a unique situation, unique season with not having uh, the preseason scrimmage and preseason exhibition game. Uh, so we'll learn a lot about ourselves tomorrow in a real game type situation. I, I've talked to assistant coaches in basketball on the staff the last few years, pretty, pretty in-depth, Greg, just about game prep and how they do it. It's always fascinated me in basketball how, how they do that, how they split it up and how, um, you know, if, if you're in charge of the scout, what all goes into it, how each coach approaches it, and, and and really what it's like. And I guess if I had to just to, to explain it to people that have never, you know, thought about it or had the chance to, to get, get it explained to them, the biggest, the biggest thing that I can explain it to people and, and, and how difficult it is in basketball is, you know, especially when you're dealing with a new coach or an unfamiliar opponent, um, you have to do a lot of film study on, on what they run and their practice time is so limited, especially when you get into the middle of the season. Um, it's the best way I can explain it is it's like it's like you're you're taking the ACT, but you can only study for two two subjects. You know, there there's eight subjects on the on the test, but you can only su- study two of them. So you're gonna you're gonna pick the the two areas that you feel like you need the most work on, and study for those two two parts. And so really, when you're walking into a game. There is so much that the, that the, a foreign team that you've never played before that you're not ready for that you can't that your guys aren't they, they can only digest so much information you can't just throw everything at them on a one or two day prep in this case less than a day prep and say okay you got to memorize all this stuff um, a lot of times it's principle based so you can carry it over from opponent to opponent but say say you're you're preparing for McNeese State I'm preparing for Nevada mm-hmm. you're only telling the guys you know maybe. 20 percent 20 to 30 percent of what they're doing and i'm only giving them 20 to 30 percent of what nevada's doing so it's really difficult to have these guys prepare on film at least for everything and so a lot of it is 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 that adjustments in the timeouts communication all that stuff that coach was just talking about there about needing corrected is really really difficult to prepare in college basketball if you're a player yeah now you do start to see some similar sets from teams to team. You go oh, the same, of course, is, especially in run, conference. Right, they run the same out of bounds play as they do, or they line up. They like the curl route, or their motion offense does this. It, there's only a lot of different ways to skin a cat, so some of it gets repetitive as you make your way through your season. Absolutely. So, talked a lot about a lot of different things. Haven't talked about starters yet. The coach was asked about that. Uh, we're still tr- determining that. We've got it to six, and we'll uh, we'll figure that out and, and get it to you tomorrow. Okay, Jason, uh, do you know who your six are? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, that settles that. I think I he did we'll go. Ahead. I think he did go on and say who the six were that he's considering, but. It was Thor and Ivan were two of them. Uh, Teddy Allen was one. Lat Mayan was one. Um, Delano Banton was was one in his six. So I think he did kind of lay out who the six were that he's considering for the five spots. We'll find out. We'll find yeah. out in a little over twelve hours. But let's get it going with the top ten. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, on the eve of the start of the college basketball season, we thought we would 
do a deep dive into the top players in the Big Ten Conference this year. Man, there were there was a load of them, guys. This was not easy to whittle it to ten for me. Yeah, I feel like there were my top like four are head and shoulders above everybody else. I think there was, you know, between like five and fifteen. You know, are it's pretty hard to distinguish and. Depending on where you're at geographically, you're going to disagree with a lot of this list. Um, but I do feel like there are a lot of players that are maybe a year away from kind of having that slam dunk spot on this list. I don't think I'll shock anyone if I inform them or remind them that this league is good. There's, there's talent all over the place here. And I was a little bit surprised at some of the guys that I had to leave off my list. It's an incredibly deep league. Sure is, really is. I'm going to lead us off, and I'm going to homer the heck out of pick 10, but I'm putting Teddy Allen here. I think he is just going to score and score and score. I think he's going to remind a lot of us of James Palmer and what he did, and he's not on probably a lot of people's radar, but I think by the end of the season he will be one of the top 10 players in this league. So Nebraska's own Teddy Allen makes my list at 10. Yeah, I really wanted to make a spot for Teddy Allen or Delano Banton on my list. Yep. I just I don't want to slap those expectations. I'll do it on them just yet. <laughs> uh, although uh, you know it's very very reasonable to do so. My number ten is a guy that I just really is just a kind of a matchup nightmare, and I don't. He's one of those guys that you really don't like if he's not on your team. Um, and so I struggled putting him on here, but I feel like he is worthy of a spot. I've got Nate Reavers from Wisconsin here at number 10. Yep. Can shoot it, big man, versatile. Um, they love their big men. Coach Guard does in, in Wisconsin. So I've got, I've got Nate Reavers at 10. I, I, I lean more towards Ben with my number 10 spot. I really wanted to find a spot for Teddy or Delano as well. Um, Reavers was a tut cut, tough cut from my list. I'm not as big a fan of his as a lot of other people are. Number 10 for me, though, is the one Michigan State Spartan on my list. I've got Joey Hauser here. He's already Ooh. produced for a couple of years at Marquette, especially from three-point range. I think that could be a huge boost to the fight in Izzo's up there in East Lansing. Now, can he defend? That's the question. Marquette was always horrible on defense. When you have two Hauser brothers and Marcus Howard, you're probably not going to be very good. So can he at least prevent a few points a game. Can he make up for what he gives up? I'm fascinated to see how he fits. Okay, very good. My number nine, I'm going Geo Baker from Rutgers. He, last year he battled injuries, but when he was healthy, he, he, he was the star on the court. He certainly beat Nebraska with a jumper late in the game in Piscataway. Uh, has been a really solid player in this league for a long time now as a senior. So I've got Geo Baker in my number nine spot. All right, very good. Uh, my number nine, I'm going to Ann Arbor here for my number nine. I've got Isaiah Livers here at number nine. Very versatile guy, and I feel like once Jordan Poole and that whole gang kind of left, um, he was really the one remaining part to that. So uh, I like him a lot. He's been battling injuries throughout his career, but really good piece for uh, Jawan Howard to work with in Ann Arbor. I like his game a lot. So I've got Isaiah Livers at nine. Another piece for Jawan Howard to work with in Ann Arbor plays in the same front court as Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner. Uh, a lot of hype around Moe's little brother last year. Really wasn't warranted until the last handful of games. Ended up averaging 16-6 and six over the last 8-10 to 10 games for the Wolverines. He found something. He found what works for him. I don't think he's good enough to be an alpha like his bigger brother was, but he definitely has a role to play on that Michigan team. He'll be really good again this year. I'm right there with you. I've got him at my number eight spot. He really made a, a dash to the finish line last year, and he and Livers make a pretty good combination. I think Michigan will be a, a handful to deal with, particularly when we get into the deep end of the winter in February and then into March. 
All right. Uh, my turn now here? Yep. yep. Number eight. eight. Number eight. My number eight, I'm just going from one Michigan school to the next. Michigan State, I've got Aaron Henry here at number eight. Would be a little bit higher, but, man, this kid's battled so many injuries in his career. It's just it's hard to kind of peg where he'll be. I know he's going to be a key cog for Coach Izzo. Um, you know, we lose Cassius Winston. Um, you lose Tillman, so you're gonna you're gonna need some experience, and Aaron Henry definitely has that. I like Rocket Watts a lot, not just his name, but as a player. But to me, he's kind of one of those guys that's just a year away from being a slam dunk pick on this list. So I'm going with the experienced guy uh, in East Lansing, and I'm, I'm taking uh, I'm taking Henry here at eight. From East Lansing to West Lafayette, I've got Trevion Williams, a center for Purdue here at my number eight. I thought he was Purdue's best center last year. He's absolutely a bowling ball at 6'9", 270. He's a big dude. The issue with him is conditioning. Can he do it consistently? A lot of his turnovers, he averaged more turnovers than assists per game. A lot of them comes when he gets tired. It looks like he doesn't care sometimes. He gets mentally checked out. When he's on, he's on. He's impossible to stop. We saw that a couple games last year. He's got to play more than 21 minutes to help Matt Painter squad out this year. Man, I'm following you, Austin. I've got Williams at seven for me. And this guy almost averaged a double-double last year. And you're right, conditioning is a a thing for him. My guess is they've corrected that in the last eight months, and he's going to be a monster in this league. So I've got Trevion Williams at my number seven. All right, my number seven, Greg, you had a little earlier on your list. I believe it was at nine. I've got Geo Baker here. Um, I, he, he is going toe-to-toe with a guy we're going to mention later for longest Big Ten career ever in the history of the planet. Aaron Kraft's um, graduated. Yeah, so, <laughs> so Geo Baker here for, for my number seven. And with this year not counting, we might see him back again next year. So um, I've got Geo Baker here. means a lot to Rutgers, and Steve Peichel's done a really good job with that program, and, and Baker's one of the players that makes it go. All right, number seven for me. This is where I've got Kofi Coburn of Illinois. He's an absolute menace defensively. Averaged a block and a half per game. Definition of a man-child. He's seven foot, 290 pounds as a sophomore in college. He's young. He's massive. He's a mountain. The issue I have with him is his offense is still developing. He's really only a threat on a few post-ups per games and lobs. Not much shooting. Can't even hardly stretch to the elbows very much. But what he's good at, he does very well, and he's a presence in the middle for Illinois. Okay. I differ with you finally with my number oh, wow. six. Uh, I've got Marcus Carr here, the, the, the guard from Minnesota. Averaged 16 a game a year ago. I was kind of hating on him a couple days ago with Ben, but after digging into his numbers a little bit more, kind of hard to argue. Pretty good three-point shooter. Hit 38% of, of his threes. So Marcus Carr from the Gophers is my number six. Nice. My number six, Austin, you had earlier on your list. I love his game a lot. I've got friends. Franz Wagner here at number at number six, uh, really from the get go, you know, just proved how versatile he is, and and we we talked about the loss of his brother Mo and and what that was going to do for Michigan. Well, who knew that there was another Wagner just stepping right in? I think he's even more versatile than his older brother. Big time. Um, he's, he's 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 way more athletic and can do a lot more. Obviously, can shoot it better. And he gave Nebraska a lot of problems last year, and I'm expecting a big step forward for him. So I've got Wagner here at number six. Number six for me, I hop the Missouri River, go to Iowa City. I've got Joe Wieskamp here, the guard from Iowa. He's a little hot and cold, as we saw against Nebraska last year. He's one of ten make it through. in the first game, and then I guess their whole team went off the second game. But as much as Iowa missed Jordan Bohannon, I think it was for the best for the Hawkeyes in some regards, because I don't think Wieskamp is great as the, init- 
the initiator of the offense. He's good. He's better as a finisher. So I think him having that experience will help Iowa this year. You know, he's got to step up to that role if Bohannon is healthy. I think he's going to be really important to Iowa, especially if he can provide even just a little bit of something on the defensive end. Austin, I did not copy you, but I follow <laughs> you. I've got Wieskamp at my number five as well. And you're right, that game at PBA last year, he couldn't throw it in the ocean. But he had enough games where he did, and that's going to happen to shooters. You're going to have off nights. And, and Nebraska did, had a nice creative game plan for them that night, and, and uh, that was part of the reason why he didn't shoot very well here. But uh, he's a good saw player, and that's going to be a really good Iowa team this year, and I've got Wieskamp at five. And he's not my last Hawkeye. <laughs> I left Wieskamp off just because of the consistency issues. I'm expecting that to be better, um, but one Hawkeye was plenty for me. Uh, my five has been mentioned by both of you. I've got Travion Williams from Purdue here at five. Uh, again, I, I think big men have thrived under Coach Painter. I think I'm expecting another big step forward for him. Um, his hair isn't anything close to what <laughs> Isaac Harms is, so I don't think we're going to have an issue there. Uh, but yeah, co- conditioning. I mean, it, and, and it's not often that all of us can pick up on conditioning issues on one player, but that was the one thing that I noticed with him. Um, watching him last year too but there's no doubt he's got the skill he's got the talent to do it and again uh, Purdue's missing some some key parts to last year's team and he's going to be a huge huge part to coach Painter this year one team missing basically no parts from last year's team Wisconsin I've got a badger here at number five Micah Potter I prefer Potter to Reavers I really do I think he's better on the inside Potter can stretch it a little not as well as Reavers but he's more athletic he rebounds well harder to push around Scotty's got all five starters back, and I think we saw at the end of last year just how important he is to Greg Gard's system. Wisconsin got yeah. so hot. They helped. They won the Big Ten, I think, in large part thanks to Potter and that role he played on that team. I think he's you – can't, you can't overstate his importance to the Badgers. Austin, I use the, the first name left on my list, and, you know, he comes over from Ohio State and just thrives and and the only reason i took reavers over him i think he's a little bit more versatile but potter potter for what they want to do is so consistent and when he's healthy he's going to be a huge part to what they want to do for sure just yeah they are so sound in what they do and he fits perfectly in that system what a big pickup from ohio state potter was for them i go to illinois for my number four and austin you had kofi earlier on uh, this might be a little high. He, he's just a big space eater. He changes what you want to try to do offensively because he's just lurking there under the basket. And I think his offensive skills are just continuing to get better and better. And I think he's going to have a big year. So Kofi Coburn for me is at number four. Greg, I line up with you. I've got Coburn here at four as well. Another guy that I'm expecting a big step forward. His highlight reel is so fun to watch. I mean, yep. he sends balls into the stands, some thunderous dunks. Um, I mean, he, he definitely fits fits the bill of a Big Big Ten uh, big down there in the paint. And w- him teaming up with, with another guy that might be on our list, I think, is, is quite the duo. And I, and I think Coach Underwood's going to be pretty pleased with what he has uh, in the front court. Uh, my number four has been mentioned, Ben. You had him back at number nine. I'm much higher on him than you. Isaiah Livers of Michigan. Health is a big key for him. He missed some time last year. And then consistency – I think a little bit more. He stepped into the limelight more last year when he was healthy. He's been extremely efficient in his pretty limited number of shots overall his first couple of years in Ann Arbor. But I think if he's healthy, he's he's the alpha for Michigan. Does he have the headspace to do it? We'll see. He's taken over games before, but I think he's I think he's going to get drafted next year. I think he's that good. Okay. 
On to the top three. I've got Tracy Jackson Davis from Indiana here. I just love his game. He's so smooth down inside. I think he had kind of those normal freshman hiccups last year. I think he'll be much more settled in at, in Bloomington this year. I, do, I just love to watch his game down inside. And he can also step out and, and hit a jump shot as well. So I've got Tracy Jackson Davis in my number three. Yeah, I line up with you again, Greg. Trace Jackson Davis here from Indiana. Double-double machine um, and just very, very skilled. He can do a lot of things. Versatile, mid-range jump shot, great finisher at the glass, tremendous defender, um, almost an Isaiah Roby type with his body size. He's, he's big, he's strong, and you know, he's, he's a guy that I can see having a nice – Nice career in the NBA. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis gave Nebraska a lot of issues both times they played Indiana last year and expecting more of the same out of him this year. Finally, I get to do the copying instead of being copied off of. This is where I've got Jackson Davis as well. I'm fascinated to see how Indiana works the ball between him and four or five star Christian Lander, one of the point guards with all the other guys in the in the backcourt for them. I, I like Jackson Davis's game. I think he should be the alpha for them this year. Yep, I agree. All right, to the top two we go. Here's where I've got Io DeSumo from Illinois. Uh, I just think he this kid's getting better and better. Can't believe he didn't that he's back. I really thought he would jump and try to put his name in the draft and leave it in there, but he pulled it back out, and, and it's, Illinois is going to be a monster to deal with. So I've got Io at number two. I've got Dunsumu here at number two as well. I mean, he. I mean, a lot of these guys. I'm saying I'm expecting them to take a step forward. He was one that really blossomed and, and just exploded with improvement. Um, can do everything. Great defender. Could shoot. Great finisher at the rim. He's explosive athlete. Really hard to guard. And you pair him with Coburn, and man, Illinois got got a great start to to a foundation of what they want to do. I like Dunsumu a lot, so I've got him at two. Number two for me, it won't be the first time he's finished at number two on a list, Luca Garza of Iowa, <laughs> second behind Obi Toppin for National Player of the Year last year. But Iowa struggled in Big Ten play. They couldn't defend. A large part of that is Garza. He's not the most mobile guy. Obviously, he has all the talent in the world offensively. He's a load inside, as broad-shouldered as he is. He can step out and shoot it with his feet set. Pretty good passer, all things considered. Offensively, no questions with him. Defensively, not quite buying it, and that's why he's only number two for me. All right, to number one, Luca Garza. I mean, this guy, player of the year in some polls last year. He's back. Can't believe it, but he is. He's just a, has turned himself into a heck of a college basketball player, and I don't see any reason why he'll take a step back this year. So Garza's number one for me. Yeah, I've got Garza at number one. Pains me to say it on Iowa week, but, again, a guy that showed massive improvement and double-double machine, can shoot, good free-throw shooter, great defender, and the other thing about the, the biggest thing about Garza that stands out to me is just how hard he plays. He plays so hard all the time, and it's just a just a huge problem for teams. So, as much as it pains me to say it, I've got I've got Garza at one. I've got Dasunmu at number one. I differ from you guys. I think we saw how important he was to Illinois. He does have to be a better shooter. I think that's a lot of why he came back. Only 33% as a freshman, sub 30% as a sophomore. If he can get that shooting stroke ironed out, he reminds me a lot of OG Ananobi from Indiana. Yeah. Actually, very similar body type. Not quite the guy you want running the offense. He's good enough to do it at the college level. He'll be a secondary guy in the NBA. But tenacious on-ball defender, good enough off-ball good enough creator so if he if he starts knocking down threes at even a 33 percent clip he'll have a long nba career 
Very good. My goodness, there's some really good players, right, guys? I mean, this is this is just every night you, you every night Nebraska steps on the court in a Big Ten game, you're going to be facing really good teams and really good players. Good stuff. All right, thanks to uh, Ben, to Austin, to Mick, and to all of you. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the hoops tomorrow. We're back tomorrow night to wrap that up. Also, we'll talk to Mike Dawson on our football show tomorrow night here on Sports Alley. Good night.